Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Sally is here for her yearly physical. You ask her how things are going, and she tells you she's concerned about her 15-year-old son. She's recently learned that he has started vaping. Sally wants to know what you think about vaping and if it's dangerous. She also wonders if it's better than smoking, right? With me today is Susan Feeney, coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School Graduate School of Nursing. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here. Great. So, e-cigarettes, vaping, this has like grown incredibly quickly in our society. Can you tell us a little bit, Susan, about what vaping is and, and how it relates uh, to our clinical care of patients? Sure. Just a little bit of historical background. Um, 2007 is when vaping or e-cigarettes came into the U.S. market, and primarily they were there as an aid to help uh, people who smoked as a smoking cessation aid. But since, it has really blossomed specifically in the teen years. Um, in fact, over the past, since 2011, the rate has gone from 1.5% of teenagers using these to 16%. Wow. Yes, in 2015. So it has really taken off. And just to give you some background, too, there's all kinds of different nicknames. There's e-cigs, e-hookahs, hookah pens, vapes, and vape pens. And there's something called mods. And these are customizable cartridges that are more powerful, and they vaporize more powerfully. And so, uh, you know, they can be used for multiple purposes. So this has really uh, turned into what um, is now being described as a public health concern that the number of people who are getting involved. It's quite interesting. There's, there's a vaping store on my corner now. Uh, I, I can't imagine a whole store devoting to this. So, so vaping is very popular, and it seems quite popular with teens. Um, why do teens find this so popular? Well, first of all, just to go back to your story about the, the vaping stores, there's 460 brands on the market. Of, of this type of a, of a device. Uh, from, um, the tobacco companies are also involved with making them. And they seem to be popular because um, this, the, what the teenagers are saying is they're, they're, um, there's actually a pleasurable contraction of their throat that occurs when the vape, vaping um, substance hits their throat. And so there is, they don't describe it as a high, but it's a type of pleasurable experience. And they've also started something called dripping, which is where they take the e-liquid from that's in the cartridge and put it directly onto a heating coil. And then, you know, breathe in that vapor. That vapor is the vaping. And it has a much higher uh, uh, density. And so that pleasurable feeling supposedly is greater. And they're not actually uh, smoking it, but inhaling it like a like a vapor. Wow! So let's take a tough situation and make it even worse. Exactly. That's wonderful. Exactly. It's great to be a teenager. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that it's now a public health issue. Can you tell me a little bit about why it's a public health issue and and what we as providers should be thinking about? Um, 
Well, there's a couple of concerns. There is, first of all, um, the cigarette, the e-cigarettes um, have various um, ingredients in the liquid that is then vaporized. And certainly it's, there's less toxic chemicals in that than in a cigarette, but there is acetone. Polyethylene glycol. Polyethylene glycol um, and formaldehyde and uh, arsenic. And there's also nicotine. Not, not all of the cigarettes have nicotine, but it turns out when it is vaporized in that way, it is more highly uh, absorbed into the body. So the thought is it's going to be more addictive. And so if you have uh, teenagers getting using this and becoming exposed to these toxic chemicals, and we're not quite sure if they're dangerous to be inhaled, but one might think it could be. Mm -hmm. Like, um, that some of these things might be harm harmless in ingestion, but may, may not be in an inhalation. So um, that in itself is a public health concern. And, the, and I think because of the increase in the kids using this, and now with a new study coming out showing that there's a um, increased risk for children or teenagers who use e-cigarettes to then eventually start smoking cigarettes, which we know are dangerous, that makes, that's one of the most important health policy issues. So that's very interesting. This, this recent systematic review and meta-analysis found that adolescents using vaping tools actually have a higher rate of smoking. Right. And, and you said at the very onset that smoking, that, that the uh, initial motivation around vaping was to help people quit smoking. I, I thought they were helpful. Well, I think they are helpful. There's actually been some evidence that for people who are uh, smokers who are addicted to, as we call, combustible cigarettes, that there has been a, a positive influence and uh, that people have been able to quit smoking. But that, and they're less dangerous than cigarettes. But certainly, uh, people who are not smoking, this is not a, a doesn't appear to be a healthy option. And um, one of the things that they find is all the things that make smoking appealing, the hand, mouth, uh, you know, activity, um, the social activity, the um, the marketing that they they appear to be marketing to to children. Um, all of this makes it very desirable for the teenager. It's interesting that they're also marketing to a younger population in much the same way we found cigarettes were being marketed to teenagers back in the 80s and 90s. That's right. They actually use flavoring, and some of the flavoring is sort of horrifying. They use bubble gum and, and candy flavors, um, and you know certainly adults wouldn't be the, the demographic that they're going after. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. So it sounds like vaping is becoming very popular, especially among adolescent populations. It sounds like what they're inhaling is somewhat concerning, although not necessarily proven to be dangerous, and that adolescents being adolescents are going to try to make it uh, even, even more exciting uh, with their use. So now what do we tell Sally today? Well, I think what I would tell her is that, you know, this is something she may want to discourage him doing, that this is, that from what we know, at least at least we know that it increases his risk of starting to smoke cigarettes. And that we don't know, but we think it might be harmful to inhale some of these, these ingredients. And that, um, it's, it's a, and that teenagers 
due to their developing brain, tend to have a greater propensity to become addicted quicker to things, as we know with opioids and texting and things like that. So, um, and the other thing that was brought out in the in the research is that it's not really clear, even when they say there's no nicotine, that there can be traces of nicotine in there because it's all created in the same uh, area. Mm -hmm. And so even a small amount of nicotine on a regular basis can be addictive. So I would really encourage her to get more research. I would give her some of this information that we have and uh, have a frank discussion. You know, the FDA in 2016 determined that this was um, a tobacco product because it had nicotine. So it is re regulated in that sense, and you have to be 18 to actually get it. <clears throat> so uh -huh. that is, you know, clearly you know, industrious kids are going to find a way to get that, but it, it you know, the, the FDA is trying to control this substance, and indeed, I think we need to start looking as providers, also looking at the policy level, at ways in which we can bring this to light so the public understands the, the risks. I think it, it, it adds another layer of, of issues we need to screen our adolescents for about their use, and it, it is very concerning to me. I had no idea that even the ones without nicotine could run the potential of causing dependence and addiction. Right. And it's also, you know, the addictive behavior of, of inhaling. And that's what they were saying is that's why it's so, um, there seems to be that link between these and smoking cigarettes is that it's a much, it's a great, it's an easy leap. It's an easy leap. Great. Any final thoughts on vaping and the systematic review, Susan? Well, I think what was in, uh, positive is at least it gives us some sort of information that, you know, because it d never seemed like a good idea, but we didn't have a lot of evidence. And this really does help us see that this is in a way a gateway into tobacco use, which we know is, is a very bad behavior to, to take up. And that the teen group is very vulnerable. And so I think it's, it's, it's a good tool in our toolbox to help us educate our patients and to make us aware of the dangers. And then to keep, you know, to be vigilant and see what comes out with, you know, what these uh, substances when they're inhaled, are there some untoward effects? There are some studies coming out now that there's definitely toxic effects with inhaling these things in an aerosol. So um, I think that we just have to remain vigilant. Great. Well, thank you so much for bringing this article forward, Susan, and all this information around vaping. My pleasure. Practice pointer, 20% of adolescents who vape run the risk of developing dependence and addiction. Screen your teenagers for vaping and remind them of this danger. Join us next week where we try to compare and contrast the breast cancer screening guidelines typically followed in the United States. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the Resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on PrimeMed.com. We want to keep making this podcast better with every episode, so we need your feedback. Tell us what you think by submitting your feedback via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or log into primed.com and submit your feedback at the bottom of the episode landing page. Thank you again for listening.